0: shift is the podcast of collective discovery we support people to collaborate and make change together this series shares learning and practice from organizations and funders who are part of the listening fund the listening fund is an england-wide partnership which aims to make the youth sector more accountable to young people it currently funds youth organizations to improve their listening practice In this episode, we'll explain the background to the podcast and what we've learned about why and how organisations are strengthening their listening practice and sharing power with young people. Hello and welcome to The Shift Podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Mercy. So, Mercy, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: So... My name's Mercy. I have done lots of work with other young people based on my lived experience of growing up with HIV and being an advocate with others to create change. I also am a young grant maker. I've been the chair of a trustee led organisation
0: and I'm currently a chair and a non-executive director. My name is Jenny Ross and I work as part of Collective Discovery. I've always been hugely passionate about the role that young people can play in change making. That started when I was a young person myself. So back in the early 2000s, I founded a a youth-led movement called Youth Stop AIDS. Um, But as my professional career has continued, I've realized that I really enjoy and I'm interested in the role that young people can play in change-making even now when I'm very old. And then beyond that, my background is as an advocate, as a change maker, as a learning specialist, as an evaluator. So, Jenny, where did this podcast come from? Like, what sparked it? So we're the learning partner of the Listening Fund, so our job is to document the learning of organisations that are trying to share power with young people. And what we were finding is when we were trying to kind of write those up as reports or when we were having events... They really didn't have the same kind of dynamism and humanity and humility as the conversations that we were having with practitioners in our peer learning group. We really saw how people gained so much from hearing from each other's experience. And often the people that we're working with are the advocates within an organisation for youth voice and youth involvement. And they find themselves in a really tricky position of being the people that want this to happen, but also being the people who know what it takes to do it well. And so sometimes they can end up in a situation where, you know, the organizational enthusiasm is growing and they find themselves saying, no, (laughs) there's not enough resource, Uh, not now, we need more time. And we really wanted to take that conversation out of the peer learning group and give it some visibility so that if you are an organisation that's thinking, oh, right, we want to involve young people more. Should we have some ambassadors? Should we, I don't know, create a youth board? How can we involve young people more in developing our services that instead of starting from scratch and maybe making some of the same mistakes that other organisations have had? that maybe you could have some information or some ideas or some questions that would mean that you would start slightly further along in that journey or feel more reassured and supported that the questions that you're holding are the questions that everyone holds when they're navigating this work.
1: Why I got involved was from our early conversations about how all this work is happening and it exists but nobody is naming the practice around it, naming what it feels like and what it looks like and what good looks like. For me the real value in being involved has been that we've been able to learn from each other about oh this is this is how you see it from your kind of learning perspective. I as a young grant maker and young person in these spaces see it from this angle and I think there's definitely been real strength in being able to have our own intergenerational dialogue weaving through the podcast and also even in the the editing moments and, you know, when we listen back to things and we'd be like, oh, this is what I take from it and you would take something from it completely different and I think that has been really important because we've been able to create something that shows
0: both sides of the coin. We've spoken to, I think, 23 people who are involved in this kind of work over the series and... We've structured them around sort of six main ways that young people are getting involved in people's work. The way that organisations often go about this work is to create either structures, so youth steering committees, youth boards, or roles, so youth ambassadors or youth leaders. So. We've got an episode on each of those. We've also got an episode on young people on boards, young people as grant makers, involving young people in designing your services and involving young people in your evaluation and learning. In today's episode, we are going to try and bring out some of the common themes across those six episodes to reflect on why people are undertaking this work and what have we learnt about how to do this well. Eli from the
1: Blaygrave Trust and Mark from Prime Theatre in Swindon highlighted the importance of knowing why you want to involve young people and making sure you've thought it through.
2: Why? Why do you want to bring young people onto your board? I think it's important that you know that before you go and do it because for me that speaks to them the culture piece. Are you ready? I don't want to remove agency for many young people that are like, I want to come on this board and shake things up. But there is a really important piece about psychological safety. I think when one is embracing youth voice or creating or opening pathways, it's really important to ask why you're doing it and what are you doing it for? Because I think we actually, we made a slight misstep. It was, there are no young people here. We need to make sure we have some young people as members of staff and as voices but we probably did it a bit quickly. We hadn't thought about what they might need and what those who wanted to serve them might need to do that as well.
0: So I spoke to Cecilia from Spark Inside, who worked with young people in the prison estate and after their release. She told me about the intrinsic value of young people being able to express themselves and be heard by others.
3: For many of the young adults, it's simply being heard, being given the opportunity to say, look, this is what I think, this is what I feel. Without being talked at or without someone expressing an opinion on
0: it. Lamisha, who is co-executive director of Boundless Theatre, highlighted during her interview that for many youth organisations and youth funders, not having young people involved undermines their credibility and legitimacy.
2: So at the heart of Boundless is co-creation with young people. The whole theatre company exists for 15 to 25-year-olds. But I think they had an internal look around and was like, are we representing 15 to 25-year-olds? And why not? Why aren't we?
1: I spoke to Tali from The Mix, a digital charity supporting young people on any and every issue, and she told me about how they benefit from having a youth board.
4: You know, you hear a lot, oh, can young people keep up with what's going on aboard, make those kind of like high level decisions? And from my experience, I would say absolutely. And if anything, they make really good decisions because they really, really care. Young people are better interpreting the world as it kind of pertains to them than what adults are. Like I often find myself listening through my own perspective and then making assumptions, which are really different from the experience that young people have today, particularly with the rise of social media and that kind of thing.
1: Dan from the Involving Young People Collective, who work with Esme Fairburn Foundation, told me about how his perception of grant making has shifted through greater involvement and being able to challenge as well as understand the practice.
2: I was initially very sceptical about the philanthropy sector and about grant giving. I think I've now got a much more balanced view than just in the two and a half years that I've been part of a grant giving organisation. I have seen a, a notable shift. The direct feedback we've got is that when we've been involved in grant applications, we really push the grant manager to really have a kind of solid basis for any decisions that they're thinking of making. And so it's that constructive challenge. And
1: I spoke to Henry from Become, who work with children currently in care and care leavers. And she told me how young people can feel empowered when they get the opportunity to share their lived experience with adults who have power over their lives.
2: So young people being in a room being like, you're going to listen to me. I've got the power because I've my lived experience is really valuable and you need to hear it. For a young person in the hostel that feels like never listened to, that's had so many doors being closed, to have a policymaker in a room be like, here, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to take back what you've said and I'm going to ensure that it's been implemented, I think for them it feels really empowering.
0: Lamisha and Luam, a Kent Refugee Action Network ambassador, told me about young people's desire to take the lead. And to be able to speak
2: for and support young people like them. They need to realise us young people who want to be seniors, we want to take that responsibility on to be leaders. And it's not just like more fun and games, TV, I'm bossing you around but
5: we want to lead and we want to inspire and we want to change cultures. Sometimes we assume that everyone knows our situation as the refugee and asylum seekers, but really not. Um, so going out there, being a voice for these young people is something that I feel like really proud. Young people, it makes more feel comfortable to talk to us because we've been there, we have the first time of experience and then we speak different languages. So some of them, they find it really easy to speak their own language and then we translate, especially for the new arrivals.
0: So as you can hear from our guests, there are lots of reasons why organisations start to share power with young people. We've had to clarify what we mean by sharing power. We think about a situation where organisations and funders have power over young people. So they get to decide what services young people get access to, what gets funded. And moving from a situation like that where organisations and funders are doing things for young people doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing the wrong things but that young people are not involved in that process. And so a lot of the organisations are moving toward taking decisions with young people and involving them actively in their work. This goes beyond participation or voice. This is about giving young people the opportunity to be part of decision-making. In some instances, we're going sort of beyond sharing power with young people to enabling young people to kind of hold the power and take the decisions themselves.
1: I've approached the concept of sharing power as a young person who power is theoretically being shared with. My starting point was always that for institutions or systems to share power with young people, power has to be lost from somewhere. And I think that's been something that I really wanted to explore through this podcast. How do people in situations where they are sharing power actually feel about that? And hearing so much about, yeah, it's really scary. Yeah, it's complicated and it's messy, but we still absolutely have to do it. And I think there's something about that commitment to being uncomfortable that I hadn't appreciated as much when I was kind of on the other side feeling frustrated about, why is it not easy for organisations to just recognise they have to lose power in this place to give that over to young
0: people? And I think this can happen from both sides. So an organisation can think oh we're gonna share power with young people we're gonna involve young people we're gonna set up a youth steering committee we're gonna have some ambassadors and intrinsically think that that is a good thing and and similarly young people on the other side could be advocating for that but but actually there needs to be like a strong rationale for why you're doing that some organizations are very focused on developing the leadership opportunities for young people, particularly groups that wouldn't get that kind of support. Other organisations are thinking about how to involve young people so that they can be more accountable, so that they feel more legitimate. And I think what we've learned is that organisations need to make sure that they're aligning their intention with the capacity, resources, support, experience that they have.
1: I think one of the things that's been interesting about speaking to some of the younger people on this podcast has been their understanding of the situations they've been placed in and that sense of being able to read the room and recognise whether or not you are actually there to be listened to and whether you are valued Um, because there's so many situations where young people can be used as tokens and as decoration to sort of put a lovely little seal of approval or a little stamp or young people are brought in far too late into a process and um, but that's never really acknowledged or understood as to why that that just isn't meaningfully involving young people and I, I also think there's something about that flow of information so if you are in a position where you get to decide what is shared with young people and what isn't like you just need to be really open and honest with yourself about like transparency is a really key thing in this process and if you are going to involve young people you need to think long and hard about okay why and what value does this have for them but also for us and if you could do the process without them then you shouldn't like you shouldn't be involving young people if you feel like it's not going to make a difference because they are going to understand that they haven't. We haven't made that difference.
0: Sometimes organisations, if this isn't embedded in their culture, will really see staff or senior leadership getting frustrated at the time and resource that is being invested in involving young people. And if that is seen as like a nice to have, like, you know, on a job description, essential and desirable, you know, something desirable but not essential then you're always going to struggle. But actually, to be meaningfully, I don't know, having impact on young people's lives, this has to be essential. You have to have ways that you're listening to young people and making sure that your work reflects their needs and their priorities. Often organisations are creating these kind of structures and roles when actually what you need is more of a day-to-day practice of what are the decisions that we're taking today? How are we making sure that those are the right decisions? How do we know that we're reflecting young people's priorities and needs? That might mean that you then need some youth ambassadors or you need a youth advisory board, but it could equally mean actually we're going to go and look at what the data tells us about young people's priorities or what the data tells us about where in the country there's least spending happening in this area. I spoke to Jenny from Carefree Cornwall, who work with children in care and care leavers, and Kate from the Foyer Federation, who work with local organisations that provide supported housing, and they both highlighted the need to provide a range of opportunities for young people to get involved.
2: It's making sure that... All our young people have an opportunity to be involved at a level that works for them. It tends to then be young people who are more maybe articulate, who can, you know, have got more confidence in speaking and maybe have had previous experiences of having their voice heard and acted on. It's really easy to just default to getting them to form the shadow board. And actually, it's it's working out how we would capture the voice of young people across the organisation.
4: We wanted to make sure that there was an opportunity available for every young person, whether they've got a little bit of time or a lot of time. So for young people that maybe can commit a bit less, we run a survey every six months. And the idea for that is we want to hear from as many young people as we possibly can. And the responses we get go into shaping our programmes and also helping us to decide which kind of funding to go for. what What are young people's priorities?
1: I spoke to Vicky from Bigley Foundation who works with displaced young people in Surrey and Cecilia from Spark Inside who highlighted the centrality of building relationships of trust so that young people can feel safe, open and honest.
2: If I had to say what's the main thing that I think makes it work, it's building that trust with those individual young people so that they
0: know that they can be totally honest with us. They don't say what. They think we want to hear. They say what they actually think, and they know that it's safe to do so.
3: Working in the the prison estate, where young adults have very little power or control over their lives and decision making, a lot of it is about building trusting relationships. Most of the young adults' their experiences of organisations is that. You know, you're going to let them down or you're not going to to stick to your word. So the other element of this is about creating safe spaces. We would have, whether it's a a drink or some donuts together, one of the, the participants said, like, wow, it's so good just to have an ordinary conversation.
0: In our conversation with Tali from The Mix she highlighted the expertise that's needed to create spaces where power can be shared and listening can happen.
4: You need somebody to hold the relationship with young people. So we know that all participation at any level happens through really robust, safe relationships. And that's something that often board members don't have time to do. Thinking about how to structure a board meeting differently, how to make things youth friendly. It's really difficult to do when you spend a lot of your time in adult spaces. And then the other thing is confidence. I find like on both sides for young people and for adults, it can be really nerve-wracking having young people come into the space and then likewise for young people coming into that space. So I think just some reassurance that that it's all going to be fine.
1: Eli spoke to me about how it's not just about what's happening, but... Actually, the physicality of that space also plays a key role in making sure that young people can feel comfortable to fully contribute,
2: feel valued and take the lead. Often in more traditional foundations, the physical boardroom feels very archaic, you know. So if you're bringing in younger people from a background that maybe they've not existed in those spaces or they don't often
0: feel comfortable in them, then there's some work that you need to do. Gemma from Sounds Like Chaos told us about how it's important to think about how you can bring creativity into the ways in which you engage young people. And Henry from Become shared with us an example of a project where they're trying to help young people to think outside of the box.
4: Are you just going into a room, doing a presentation and then asking some questions? cool could you do something different because yeah some people are very articulate right and others are you know the stuff brewing but that's not the place they're going to put it out and you, you want to try to get all that juice because there's so much in there that people can offer so you can use artistic process to get a bit deeper create more space for it not to just be a contribution of words <laughs>
2: A project called Sky's the Limit, where we redesigned what the care system could look like. Really thinking creatively. If we had all the power in the world, like, how could we change the care system? How can we make a visionary care system that fits all young people that has no limitations? So, like, really getting young people to think out of the box. Jenny from
0: Carefree Cornwall shared with us how important it is to close the feedback loop and make sure that young people are aware of what's happening with their feedback. And what is changing?
2: Letting young people know where their opinion's going and who's going to listen to it and what actions they'll take is really important. For the Corporate Parent Board takeover last year, they agreed on three agenda items, which was housing, long-term positive relationships with trusted adults and transport. And then they had a review six months later, where they actually asked the corporate parent board, you know, what have you done in these three areas? Where's the progress? And you know, we were able to say, you know, we've hired a housing manager to run a housing project. We're being carefree, and public transport. We're doing a campaign with Bernardo's to try and get funded public transport for care and long-term positive relationships. You know, we're feeding into foster care training. When I spoke to Luam, she explained how
0: important it is to have support when going out into the community because of some of the difficult questions that people might be asked and the need for flexibility when young people have other responsibilities and priorities that they need to fulfill alongside any role with an organization
5: there's an organization who asked them oh can we ask one of these ambassadors and what's life to be on the box so we just said right no like this is this is not right this is just Horrendous. Now something is gonna be really traumatic for some. Cause so, yeah, she goes everywhere, literally with us. to schools, colleges everywhere we go. To. She makes sure that we are okay. crown is flexible as well. They do try. They understand that we are juggling with universities. Uh, three of the years, including myself, we are at the university now. So they know the challenges that we have to face, and um, so they understand. Some of the
1: key ingredients that we've heard to making sure that this work can be done well is about the power of building trust with young people and their communities and being able to build long-lasting relationships. As a funder, it's definitely made me reflect on the fact that we really need to be thinking about long-term funding, but also focusing on the power of positive relationships as an outcome in and of itself. Whilst there's a lot of funding, I think, for the activities and outputs that can come out of working and sharing power with young people, there needs to be much more funding focusing on how you get there in the first place. So I'm talking about core costs. Are you funding people to be able to keep staff well paid
0: in their jobs for long term? So national organisations and funders can sometimes have a challenge when they are trying to involve young people. They don't have pre-existing kind of relationships with young people that are based on trust and they might not have the right skills and experience. It's important to look at a range of different ways to engage young people and also recognise without those trusted relationships, you need to have realistic expectations of which young people you're going to work with and or what level of support and experience you're going to need to be able to do that. There's something about the link between empathy and listening here. One of the things that happens when people are working alongside young people all of the time is that they really have the ability to put themselves in the young people's shoes because they've had a lot of experience. And then the step to creating inclusive processes, structures and roles is much easier. And one of the challenges that organisations have when that isn't their day-to-day business is that they're more likely to make missteps. I always have a very strong reaction when I realise that I, I've I overlooked something. And so I was involved in a process with young people in Manchester uh, around serious youth violence and we did all of the workshops with young people in leisure centres and we had like jammy dodgers and crisp and then when we had the meeting with professionals with the young people for some reason it ended up being in a hotel and a hotel in a part of Manchester which is over policed uh, and where young people don't feel comfortable and I was like oh we really ought to have bought the professionals, to the leisure centre in Moss Side, right? And given them jammy dodges and made them sit on, like, uncomfortable plastic seats. It definitely was balanced the wrong way. So it was balanced towards the comfort zone of the adults and away from the comfort zone, not only, actually, of the young people, but probably also the youth workers that came with them. The greatest potential is actually in spaces where there are young, younger people and older people together. And those are the spaces where... I think there's still a long way to go to learn how to firstly create a safe space for intergenerational dialogue, but also recognise that support is needed on both sides. So often older adult professionals who are losing some of their power will feel maybe a bit uncomfortable in a space that isn't one that was entirely designed for them. The difficult conversations that come out of this work and doing it well with integrity are really important conversations for people to have. So discussions around, for example, paying young people. Everyone finds discussions about money really difficult. If you don't have transparency and an opportunity for dialogue around that, you're denying young people the opportunity to think about how they value their time and how they want to be compensated. And how they want to advocate for themselves or whether they want to give their time away for free. And so I think this is where the work is, you know, in these uncomfortable conversations, in these difficult spaces.
1: There's something that came through really strongly from some of the services. So Cecilia from Spark Inside or Vicky from Big Leaf. and really thinking about the challenges that the young people might be facing at any given time. So, you know, if you're working with young people who are going through um, the asylum process in this country, they're going to ebb and flow in terms of what responsibilities they can have um, and how involved they might want to be. As a young person who (laughs) is on the cusp, well, I I don't really feel like a young person anymore. There's been something throughout this series about that sort of handover, really thinking about the need to have solid systems and structures in place so that the young people that you've worked with over this prolonged period of time don't feel like they've just been cast aside, but they have somewhere to go and kind of a natural route into whatever the next chapter might be for them. There'll always kind of be new young people coming through and making sure that you are constantly thinking about how to evolve and adapt as different young people have different sets of challenges, needs and expectations. And it's really important that you don't get sort of stuck.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's important for organisations to continually consider how they're going to be involving young people and how they can improve. It's not the case that any organisation is going to get it right First time, or that you can have all the answers before you begin. But if you're thoughtful, flexible, and transparent, that's a really good start. That's all for this episode. We hope you found it interesting, and we'd encourage you to listen to the rest of the series to hear more from our guests.
1: Huge thank you to all of our guests the Listening Fund organisations and funders, Freya and Louis, who've worked on production, and Claudia from Collective Discovery.